93.7 Express FM. Hello and welcome to another coronavirus special podcast. On the show this week, we spoke to Deputy Leader of Portsmouth City Council, Steve Pitts, to get his reaction to the last few days and the easing of lockdown restrictions. We were also talking to business owners who had decided to set up a business throughout a pandemic. They'll be on the show a little bit later on. We got an update on washing our hands and why that is still the number one thing we should be doing. And we get a local sport update as well from our local sport expert Henry Deacon a little bit later on in the show. But let's kick things off with our first guest, Deputy Leader of Portsmouth City Council, Steve Pitt. Hi, Robbie. How are you? All well with you? Not too bad, thanks. Good. Let's, um, should we kick off with that then? Uh, just your reaction, first of all, Steve, uh, to, to the announcement today from Rishi Sunak. How do you think that is going to benefit Portsmouth and what, what parts of it do you think will, will most likely benefit Portsmouth? Well, the, the VAT cut's definitely interesting. Um, during the last, um, when we had the global recession uh, in 2008 to 10, um, the, there was a VAT cut then. Uh, it wasn't as impactful as they hoped, but this one, at first appearances, and forgive me, I've been in meetings all day, so I haven't read any of the details if there are any, but it sounds more significant, and hopefully that will make a difference. And obviously, big announcement that's going to help our cultural venues locally was the one that they made on Sunday night about the uh, £1.5 billion to support the arts and cultural sector nationally. Mm. And, and what you mentioned on that, what part of, of Portsmouth do you think need, is, is going to need support the most? Is it? We, we've heard a lot of mention of these creative of industries do you think that that's the that's the industry that all that is likely to fare worst if it's not supported in pompey we've got an awful lot of micro businesses in the city robbie and by that i mean you know small businesses that employ one or two people and a lot of those are in the creative industries um, it's also our largest growth sector uh, or at least it was before the pandemic so it's vital that we protect that and get it bounced back as fast as we can uh, obviously, most aspects of the economy are going to be affected in one way or another, but we rely on millions of tourist visits every year to support various aspects of the city's businesses. Uh, so the hotel, leisure, hospitality, tourist businesses, they are going to need support, uh, especially while they've got reduced capacities caused by the need to socially distance. And, and what's uh, the reaction been um, from, certainly in the last couple of weeks, what's the reaction sort of been from local businesses as a whole? I mean, I know it's quite a broad question, but generally, do, do you think that, that many Portsmouth businesses and many of the, especially those micro businesses, do you think that they will be able to get through this? Well, we, we've been um, doing, there's been various bits of work happening around surveying businesses and trying to find out how they feel about things right now. And encouragingly, a lot of them are saying that they want to try and hold the ground of where they are. So they're not, they're not being overly optimistic in saying that they're going to grow over in the, in the near uh, future because, uh, you know, there's going to be challenges. But equally, they're not saying that they're expecting to sort of get, uh, shrink their business. So, I think everybody's focusing on trying to stay stable uh, and they, it remains to be seen. There's so many unknowns right now. If, if we had to go into a second lockdown or a, a local lockdown at some point, if that's what happens, obviously that's going to have an impact. But, you know, the, we've got an awful lot of support going on out there to try and help those businesses. If anyone is in difficulty and needs help, they can phone the business helpline at the council, which is 02392 841 641. There's a team, dedicated team on there offering help and advice around all the COVID safe legislation, where you can find out about grants, 
uh, and other support, online mentoring, uh, different masterclasses and schemes that you can get into. There's all sorts of digital support. I was on a call earlier on Hampshire Chamber of Commerce uh, looking at putting together uh, a whole range of courses to help people if they're becoming self-employed or they're looking to get back into different kinds of employment. So there's a lot happening, uh, but it's a bit early to say exactly what the outcome's going to be. But we're determined to try and save every job and every business we possibly can. Sure, just that number again. So it's the business support helpline. It's 02392 What can people expect just quickly when they call that number? So it, uh, to speak to a real person, which, believe it or not, is the single best bit of feedback we get is that people are shocked they actually speak to somebody. Uh, it's man 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday to Friday. Uh, those guys have been gradually accumulating more and more and more information as they go along and adding it to their, their frequently asked questions sheets, their FAQs. So all of their combined knowledge and learning that they've uh, garnered over the last few weeks, you know, the government guidance that's come out, different announcements around uh, various support that's available and what the detail is behind that and how to get more info. So they're very, very knowledgeable. And I'd encourage any business that thinks that they might need a little bit of help and support uh, to at least find out what they may or may not be eligible for to contact that team. And one of the um, what, what one of the sectors of, of businesses, one of the industries, of course, that have been so hardly hit hard hit throughout this pandemic has been the hospitality sector. And of course, it would have been a big uh, a big relief to many businesses, I'm sure, over the weekend, uh, reopening the pubs and the restaurants um, that we saw reopening over the weekend. What was your reaction to to everything that happened? Now that we're sort of we're five days in, and we're, we're you know we're sort of seeing these the probably the biggest easing of lockdown at the weekend. What was your reaction to, to to how uh, businesses coped with it and also how the general public received it and, and, and implemented the, the easing of lockdown restrictions. So on a local level, um, the, uh, the experience that we've had has been very positive so far. Um, we had teams out um, visiting businesses, offering support uh, over the weekend, and uh, we, rep- we had very little incidents of anybody um, not following all the guidelines and running things properly. And literally, on a couple of you know, a couple of people that uh, we had to have a good to have a chat to, were really welcoming of that extra support because they were a bit confused about some of the guidelines. And that's what we've been saying: we're here to help. Um, so. Uh, Nobody experienced major difficulties that we're aware of over the weekend. The public on the whole were all doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing and were socially distancing as far as possible. And I know there'll be people listening who say, oh, well, I saw at this place that that wasn't happening. And yeah, obviously that's going to be the case. We're all in a learning curve here and it's not perfect, um, but people are doing the best they can. And on the whole, the feedback we've had from the weekend was very good. And do you go by the, the, the sort of the government's advice to, um, you know, really encouraging people to go out? Because I know that there were a lot of people, um, I mean, to be honest, most people that I spoke to this weekend were, were not really up for going going back to the pub just yet. Would you encourage people to, to take that leap of, of faith in, in sort of social uh, distancing measures being implemented and whatnot? Yeah, and I think it's about, you know, everyone's different and everyone's had a different experience of this pandemic. So it's about what feels comfortable for you. So if you, you know, if you, if you want to go out and, and go to a pub, uh, but you see one and you think, oh, it looks a bit busier in there, and you know, I'm not, I'm not sure whether that I'm going to be able to safely socially distance in there, just keep having a wander about until you find somewhere. Try, try somewhere new that you haven't tried before. You know, don't go necessarily go to the restaurant you always go to if it's going to be busy. Try somewhere else. And there's an awful lot to offer in this city. And if people stay local, shop local, uh, and stay safe, which is what we're asking them to do, uh, and just be a bit, you know, 
be a bit experimental, try somewhere new, see what see what's on offer. Uh, but above all, make sure that you feel safe doing that. So we're not what we're not asking people to do is go out and put themselves in a position where they don't feel comfortable because no, nobody's going to enjoy themselves if they're in that environment. Um, but certainly, if you are going to go out, do stay local. Uh, go out and walk to your nearest places and support those because those local businesses desperately need our support right now. You, you mentioned a little bit earlier the the fact that Portsmouth relies, uh, you know, on on tourism. Would you, would you encourage people to to come to Portsmouth now for a, for a weekend away? Now that you know there's, there's hotels that are reopening. Well, the hotels need trade too. You know, they need they need people in them because um, if our hotels start closing down, then our tourist trade is going to suffer. So that's the last thing we want to happen. We've got a lot of independents in the city who run great little hotel businesses, and we obviously want to see them survive. Um, with, what we're saying to visitors is, you are welcome here, but you know, it, it's a different offer than maybe you're norm- you'd normally expect. We haven't got the historic dockyard open open at the moment, although D-Day story is reopening. Um, so, you know, it's going to be different. But if people feel that they want to get away, then the government advises that it's safe to do so. Um, people will be taking down contact details. And it's all about track and trace and making sure that we can, uh, should there be a, a case discovered afterwards, uh, get in touch with those people who, who may have been exposed. And it's about managing that risk. And as long as people feel feel comfortable doing so, you've got to remember that a lot of people will have been in innocent. We're very lucky here to live on the coast, but people living inland probably might have been trapped in their homes and not really able to go out or do very much for a long period of time if they feel comfortable coming to Portsmouth and uh, staying in a hotel and enjoying what we have to offer here then the government advises that they're safe to do so so we're 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 happy to you know to welcome welcome people in even though we know that it will make the city busier as a whole yeah well we haven't seen the same issues when Every, everyone will have seen the scenes in Bournemouth and the difference is there that the, the beach butts right up to the town as indeed it does in Brighton we're really lucky here that we've got the common and those big open spaces next to the prom do we want tens of thousands of people descending on the beach no of course we don't but there's so much more important uh, than just the beach um, you know Gunwolf Keys is reopened again and they're managing their, their environment very well down there as I say D-Day Story's about to reopen so um, that's there as a, uh, for people who didn't get the opportunity to come down and, and mark D-Day 76 as they might have wanted to. Um, the, the Portsmouth is a great place to, co- to come and just be and enjoy those spaces. And not everybody has to go and sit on the shingle. That's not necessarily uh, what Portsmouth is all about, is it? Sure. No, sure. A, a, a couple of uh, things, a couple more things I'd just like to touch on before we let you go, Steve. Um, I, I'm not sure if this was if this was confirmed, uh, so, but I know that there was uh, some news reports today that, that there was potentially a confirmed case in a, in a school of, of COVID-19 in, in Gosport. Um, well, just what advice would you, without speculating on it, what, what advice would you give to schools at the moment and what, what feedback have you had from schools about whether or not you know there are any cases going around at the moment and, and their advice if if they do come across one yeah i mean obviously i can't really comment on that one i don't know anything about it but sure. um we haven't had any in portsmouth yet that that i'm aware of um you gave the figures out earlier on it's been a very stable position here um i'm pleased to report that almost 100 percent of the year 10s have been back in school they're going in on a rotor system at the moment um and those, those schools have all worked incredibly hard to make sure that they've got all the right covid safe procedures in place to enable those children to come in in what they're calling bubbles uh, so they stay together as a cohort the year 10s are coming in on a rotor so there's not too many of them in at one time uh, and the younger children are managed, being managed in those smaller bubbles to keep them together as a group. And obviously, 
all that health and safety advice is in place and um, that the um, carers will be contacted should there be a problem. Um, we, we can't say, no one can say that there, there won't be a case or cases at any point. Um, but we have to get back to some kind of new normal and it's really, really important that kids are in school. They've already missed out on a vital period of learning and they definitely need to be back in school. And what we are hearing is uh, the feedback from those children who are able to get back is how hugely relieved they are to actually be in school, which is obviously a brilliant thing to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think for the first couple of weeks they were were head over heels (laughs) with happiness that they they had a couple of weeks off, but now um, I think it's a different story and, and kids are happy to be back um just just one final thing uh we, we've heard in the last few days that free car parking uh is to end for the majority of nhs staff uh when the pandemic in the uk eases is, is there anything that uh, i know there's been a lot, a lot of uproar on social media about this is there anything the council can do to, to help this because i know that you know a lot of people are feeling that that the nhs staff are being unfairly treated here yeah as you're, are you referring particularly to hospitals sites now yes yeah yeah, yeah. hospital parking I don't. I've never thought that you know. This is, what we should. We need to reduce people using cars as a, as a principle because it's obvious we've got air air quality issues in our city, same as many cities have, uh, and we need people to be uh, tra- using more active ways means of travel and public transport. But right now, at the moment, it's very difficult with numbers being limited on buses. We obviously need those care staff to be able to get in and get to work on time, and that's that's not as simple as it might be under normal circumstances. So. I think charging them to be able to access to going to work to support us all right now and, and charging them, charging them for parking is just seems like a bit a bit mean spirited. Uh, and I think they could have been more flexible about that. I mean, one of the things I've been looking at today is how we can, uh, if people are uh, driving to uh, to get it come into uh, parts of the cities, particularly to access local shops, uh, that we can support them with an hour's free car parking on top of the first hour that they've paid for. So to try and make sure we've got footfall back to the shops. So I think to stop our uh, NHS workers from being able to access free car parking at a time when public transport is really difficult to access is is not really fair. They've, those guys have done an outstanding job. They're all very tired, and we're going to need them all again at some point. We know that when uh, we do seek some kind of second wave, uh, whenever that may be, and uh, I think we just uh, we owe them a bit more than uh, taking their bucks off them for parking their car. I wonder whether or not we might see a see a similar sort of uh, a U-turn done by the government as they did with the free school meals. I suppose time will time will tell. Listen, uh, Steve, thank you so much for your time this evening. Appreciate it as always. No worries, Robbie. Always good to talk. Local radio for Portsmouth. This is Express FM. Do you remember for months we were bombarded with messages to wash our hands more often and use hand sanitizer among other measures to try and protect ourselves from coronavirus? It is still, of course, the case. Our new research published today shows the message is starting to get through, or at least it has in the last few months. Uh, on average, we now wash our hands nine times a day more. That's up by 50% from the pre-COVID-19 days. Uh, but the same research also reveals that more of us are suffering from damaged skin and cracked hands as a result of this extra cleaning leading to fears that some of us may cut back on the sanitizing regime as a result our our reporter julian fisher now has more on this story well to discuss how we can continue protecting ourselves against the virus without damaging our skin i'm joined by scientist dr jacques snyman and the founder of a new product called fulbisafe nicholas smuts also start with you dr jacques just remind us of the importance of regular cleaning and sanitizing to protect ourselves 
Yeah, I think it's quite obvious, and I think the latest research demonstrated that the more frequent you wash your hands and also the duration of washing and sanitizing and the product that you use is critically important to get the correct effect. It's not just getting the grime off, but it's also making sure that the intention is to kill the germs that possibly can infect yourself or others. Nicola, I want to bring you in here because your research says while this message has clearly got through, some people are finding side effects of their cleaning regime. Yes, a third of all respondents are anxious about the amount of alcohol used in hand sanitising products. I think the people who suffer the most are nurses and healthcare workers who have to use alcohol-based sanitizers upwards of 50 times a day. And they are telling us that their hands are chapped and sore and red at the end of a day's work. And we would like to help them protect their hands. We feel that our hand sanitizer, which has zero alcohol in it, is a lot softer and kinder and damaged hands are more vulnerable to infection and to passing infection onto others. So tell us all about Fulvisafe. What is it and how will it help? So Fulvisafe, it's a hand sanitizer and a barrier cream, and it's made from carbohydrate-derived fulvic acid, which is a mild humeric acid which acts on the pH balance of your skin. It's antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal, and anti-inflammatory. It's also extremely moisturizing. And what's really amazing about it is because it contains zero alcohol, it's really kind to your skin, it's safe for babies, and it's also safe to transport. It smells of rose geranium, so I think the user experience is going to be much better than using 70% alcohol 20 times a day. And we're hoping we're going to address this new way of living. Is this non-alcohol product a potential solution between the balance of keeping safe but also not damaging our skin? Yes, we've been researching this for many years and we've published on the effect treating patients with eczema. So we must just remember that eczema almost starts from skin dehydration and also infections with staphylococci and streptococci. So it changes the skin microflora, but it also changes the pH to prevent further multiplication of those pathogens. So it has got proven anti-eczema, if you want to call it that, effect so it protects your skin against all the onslaughts from the outside but also from what's growing on your skin at any time. Sounds really fascinating. Nicola, where should anyone go for more information both about keeping safe and this new product? Well people could go to our website fullbesafe.com. We also have a Facebook page and we're on Instagram. That was our reporter Julian Fisher uh, with clinical pharmacologist Dr. Jax Snyman and also the founder of a new sanitising product called Fulvisafe. Nicola Smuts Allsop uh, with Julian Fisher there as well. Got some, uh, I got some other news as well from another one of our roaming reporters uh, revolving around haircuts. Of course, after after weeks of. Home haircuts, millions of us are now able to book a professional cut or colour now that restrictions on going to the hairdressers have been lifted. Uh, and those of us bemoaning our big hair can now finally have the long-awaited and much-needed trim and style. However, everyone will not have to follow the new government safety measures, as you might have done if you've been to the hairdressers over the last five days, uh, to try and reduce this chance of a second wave of COVID-19. Our reporter Emma Williams has more on this story. I'm joined by award-winning Barb. Mark McIver from Slider Cuts. Hi, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So this is the moment the nation has been waiting for, isn't it? Yes, this is the big moment. Everyone's been, you know, calling my phone, messaging me on Instagram and all the social media platforms because they just can't wait to get this haircut. So what sort of changes have you made to the salon to ensure social distancing is properly observed for both staff and customers? Well, some of the major things I've done 
has been I've removed majority of the waiting chairs. So where we used to have like about 12 to 13 seats for people to wait, now I've only got four or five. So now that there's a good space in between each client that's waiting. Also, I have told clients to come by themselves if possible. Obviously, if you're coming with your children, you have to you know come with them or your guardian or minder. But outside of that, we've advised people to please just come by themselves. We've also said that if it gets too busy, there will be queues outside. So you'd have to wait outside and you'd have to keep within social distancing spaces between each other as well. Those are some of the changes we've made, as well as PPE for the barbers, wearing visors, face coverings, gloves, which we've always worn anyway, and more thorough cleaning process in between each service So as we all rush to make an appointment, what do we need to bear in mind when coming into yours or any other salon? The things you need to bear in mind, I'd say, when you're coming to get your haircut is maybe booking first, because we don't know what the weather's going to be like. So if you just turn up, you can wait, but it could be raining and you're waiting outside because of social distancing. So I'd say it's really a good thing just to book your appointment so you can be in and out. Also be aware, especially in my barbershop, that before people used to kind of like get their haircuts, come early and leave like, you know, an hour after their haircut because they just stay talking. That for the moment has to be cut out. For the moment, you just got to come get your haircut and leave, which is unfortunate. But, you know, for security and for safety for people, we have to do that. So I'd say those are the main things you've got to really watch out for. There's no loitering around and it'd be best to book if you don't want to be disappointed and just waiting around outside. So why do you think it's particularly important for people from the Black community to follow the guidance? It's important because the data suggests that our community has been hit the worst. So we have to be a lot more thorough and a lot more vigilant in the way we approach it. And where can we get more information on observing social distancing in salons? Well, if you go to gov.uk forward slash enjoy hyphen summer hyphen safely you can see all of the measures that have been taken and all of the guidelines for salons and hairdressers but even though we've got all of these measures in place we're so excited to have the barbershop back open and we can't wait to see you guys again really nice to hear people that are so passionate about what they're what they're doing and and reopening especially that was emma williams our reporter talking to marker as a barber of course barbers hairdressers all open as well as pubs bars cafes restaurants all as well uh, reopened on saturday and we're all able to finally reconnect over a drink uh, or a meal now that restrictions have been lifted and so it's come it's a very welcomed weekend uh, for the hospitality industry as a whole they have worked very hard to make sure that social distancing changes uh, have been implemented uh, that are necessary to welcome back their customers and of course it'll be a different experience if you've not gone to any of these places yet it will be different when you do go there uh, whenever that might be uh, but emma williams once more has been talking to an a e doctor someone who knows all about ppe and the right equipment and precautions you should take if you're going to be around people I'm joined by A&E doctor and media medic, Dr. Alex George. So we've all missed the chance to go out for a drink or a meal or get our haircut in recent weeks, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. And I think everyone's really looking forward to having some element of normality. I know that I'm desperate for haircuts. And so what changes can customers expect to see in pubs, bars and hair salons, for example, as they start to reopen? There will be significant changes that you'll notice when you go to the hairdressers or pubs or salon. These establishments are now going to be making changes to 
essentially make these environments as safe as possible in terms of the coronavirus. You might notice as you get there, you need to potentially queue outside for hairdressing appointments. You'll probably need to make an appointment in advance and turn up on time. Hand washing is absolutely key. You'd be encouraged to wash your hands, but most likely when you enter the premises in the establishment when needed also. You'll also see that social distancing is hugely important and measures will be taken to make sure customers are kept apart between households if you're in, in the pubs or between groups and between individuals in hairdressing salons. So how can people make sure that they put their safety first and that of the staffers? Do they need to do anything to prepare for their first visit to the pub or hairdresser, for example? Yeah, so there are important things you can do. I'd advise, as well as bringing normal things that you need, like your phone and your wallet and things, to bring along hand sanitizer, bring a contactless card, because we are really trying to move towards that contactless payment to reduce risk of passing on the virus. And also, I'd suggest considering bringing a face covering too. Although they're not mandatory inside these spaces, you might feel more comfortable to do so if it's difficult to maintain that two-metre distance. There's a worry floods of people can hit the pubs. So what's your advice to everyone? I would say just try and be very sensible and use common sense when it comes to this. What we don't want to see is a huge second wave, a spike again in the number of cases of coronavirus. Everyone's done so well, worked so hard to get this level down. We just need to be very careful, very aware that we're doing our hand washing, maintaining our social distancing. We're following the guidance that is there to keep us safe. And as a doctor, can you remind us of what we should do if we think we have symptoms of coronavirus? Yeah, so if you have this persistent cough, if you're having a high temperature, or you've got a loss of taste or smell, then you must, must please self-isolate. And you and anyone else in your household should isolate for the required period of time. Please don't come to pubs or restaurants or other establishments. We don't want to spread the virus. And where can we go for more information on what is reopening and the health advice to follow? So to find out more information, you can go to gov.uk forward slash enjoy dash summer dash safely. That was Emma Williams once more talking to A&E doctor and media, uh, media medic Dr Alex George on the measures that pubs, restaurants, hairdressers alike have all put in place to ensure social distancing measures are observed. Now, uh, we've been hearing all about the economy over the last few days, especially today we had the announcement from Rishi Sunak uh, setting out the government's plans for the coming weeks and months as we ease lockdown restrictions. It's not the time, maybe, that you would expect people to set up a business. However, for Richard Peckham, that has not been the case as he has opened Sherlock's Bar in Southsea among this this pandemic and everything that's been going on uh, throughout the last few months. He spoke earlier in the week to Mason Jordan on Portsmouth Breakfast all about the Sherlock's Bar. Sherlock's Bar, yes, here we are over in sunny South Sea. Um, it's a nice little bar. It's a, it's a good soul, good size. Um, it can hold sort of 50, 60 people, obviously less during uh, the, the social distancing. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a very nice pub, very relaxed pub. Um, yeah, it's very, very good. Yeah, very, very new and very nice. And the name isn't just a name, is it? We've got, we've got a theme going on there. No, we certainly have, yeah. Sherlock's Bar, it's obviously named after uh, sort of Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes' character was created by Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's book was, uh, lived in the city for, for a while, had a practice in the city. Um, and uh, obviously he wrote the Sherlock Holmes books. That's what, that's what inspired us for the name. It seems like you've thought about this. We had just a little bit of thought into it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so have you had bars and pubs and stuff before? Yeah, I, I have first, yeah, a long time ago. I mean, I, I've certainly helped in, in, in run the pubs and bars, assistant manager and relief manager for, for a number of pubs around the country. So, yes, it's something I have done. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a newbie when it comes to, to looking after pubs, yeah. So, well-established, uh, Richard, uh, launch, launching, launch, launching a brand-new bar in South Sea. 
um, and th- this timing. How have you managed to to do it during this sort of climate? Because it can't be easy right now. No, no. It, I mean, the, 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 the good news was we, we got offered the opportunity during lockdown, so so we had the opportunity to to kind of to isolate, I guess, in our bar with my partner Debbie, and um, we you know got got the place decorated up. Uh, during lockdown, and then obviously we had a chance to you know, open up first time on Saturday. So, you know, yes, yes, it's had its challenges, of course. Uh, we were very nervous as to what Saturday was going to bring. We had no idea if we were going to walk through the door or not. Um, so, we, you know, we were completely open-minded to what was, what was going to happen. So um, it, was, it was good news when people actually walked through the door on Saturday. So, so a good turnout in the end, all things considered. It, it was, yes. I mean, obviously we opened in, in the morning at 11 o'clock, like, like most bars, I guess. And, uh, and, and the turnout was very good. I mean, I, I suppose from our point of view, because we were a new bar, because we told our friends and family around there, we expected friends and family to walk through the, walk through the door. What was a very nice surprise was that, was that a, you know, a vast amount of people that we didn't know that lived in around Stansford came into and said that we'd heard about the bar on Facebook and, uh, and Express as well. So, yeah, we, you know, we, we were very pleased to see a, a, a good amount of people walk through the door. Oh, good. That's, that's really nice to hear. Um, now, um, what, what sort of the plans for the future? Obviously, we can't go full ahead with all sorts of different um, events and things like that at the moment. Uh, but what sort of things do you want to do in the future with uh, Sherlock's? Well, in Sherlock's, we, we are mainly a bar. We're not doing food straight away. So, so we are, we are uh, initially just a bar serving, serving beverages, both teas and coffees, and obviously alcohol as well. Um, but, but going forward, we, we will become a venue that will do some live music on a, on a, on a weekend as well. Um, perhaps some quiz nights during the week. Uh, we would then offer, you know, perhaps things like wine tasting, perhaps, you know, uh, games nights here as well. So you know, we, we, we will have a number of uh, events and activities that I'm sure will, will interest and cater for the, for the audience in South Korea. And I hear you wanted to shout out Steve Hudson. Steve Hudson, yeah, I mean, I knew I was coming obviously this morning. Uh, Steve Hudson, uh, like myself, is responsible for, for a number of uh, places in South Sea, and that includes the the King's Pub, Giuseppe's, Monty's and Chambers. And I just want some feedback from him as well. I just wonder, you know, wonder how it went for him. And, and like me, you know, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a very nice experience to open up the bars again. Both of us, I guess, were nervous as to what sort of response we were going to get. Um, but, but like him, you know, we, we, I think the, the response was very, very positive. People came out, and the key thing is, I think people came out to socialise, not to just get out and get drunk. Uh, you know, people had this, this feeling that the people would come out and, and, and spend all day drinking. But actually, they didn't. I think the main, main theme was to come out and meet their friends again, socialise, chat, you know, uh, and, and, and kind of be able to, to uh, <laughs> talk to a human being again <laughs> in a social environment. Uh, and that's actually, I think, how the day planned, uh, planned out, really. I don't think it was a drink fest. I think it was actually a really good social day. I can only speak for South Sea, obviously, myself. Um, but actually, the pub seemed busy, but not manic. Um, and people seem to take the social distancing and responsibilities uh, very well. So that all things considered, do you think it was actually quite a positive timing overall? Well, I was surprised it was a Saturday, OK? I, I, I think if we'd have had a bright summer's 33 degrees day on Saturday, it might have been busier. The fact the weather was a little bit inclement, a little bit cloudy, probably meant that not everyone came out. Uh, so I was surprised it was uh, with bars open on Saturday. I would expect probably a Tuesday, Wednesday, give us a build up to the weekend. But actually, uh, the day went very well. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I can only speak for South Sea. I visited a number of bars on South Sea to see what was going on. And I can only say that, that, that actually the response was very good, very positive, And people, I think, did take on board the response was busy at having pubs. There was a number of, you know, the, the white, the yellow lines across all the bars and things to, to separate people mm. worked very well. I think people in general, you know, adhere to it. Okay, now if people want to check out uh, one of the uh, one of Southie's newest bars, uh, wh- 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 where are you and when are you open, Richard? 
Where are we? We are in Clarendon Road in South Sea, just yards from, from Palmerston Road. Um, we are also on uh, Facebook, so um, Sherlock's Bar South, so you can find us. Uh, we, we are open from currently from Wednesday through to Sunday, normal pub hours, Wednesday through to Sunday, Monday and Tuesday often. Today I'm going to be cleaning. <laughs> nice. You, you drew the short straw then. I got the short straw today, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us and best of luck with Sherlock's, mate. Brilliant. Thanks for your call. That is Richard Peckham talking to Mason Jordan earlier this week about uh, the Sherlock's Bar, newly opened bar, newly opened business throughout lockdown. Now, um, Richard Peckham, not the only person to start up a business uh, throughout the last couple of months. We've also got Hope McKellar on the line uh, as well, who has a story to follow up with this on. Hi, Hope. Hiya. Nice to speak to you. Um, so uh, remind us, because last time we, we spoke to you was uh, was one of the first sort of coronavirus specials, and 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 you were at Portsmouth News then. But you you yourself have a have a sort of a lockdown story to tell us about. Yeah, it was interesting actually because I was listening back to that interview and um, we did at the end of March, and I said something on the lines of "No one's starting a business in lockdown," and then I found myself nearly four months on starting my own business. <laughs> So it's it's just funny how things happen, but but yeah, lots changed since then. Explain to us what 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 made you decide to to do this then? Because like you say, it, it, it sounds like quite a sort of a a quick decision that you made. Yeah, so um, I was actually on a temporary contract at the news, um, and that was ending. So I I thought to myself, what on earth can I do? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, I've got to find a job. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to take the leap and work for myself. Um, and I started up. I've just started up a PR business. Um, so it's kind of similar to what I was doing at the news. I'm still helping businesses and um, getting them in the media and stuff like that. Um, but just doing it at a different, uh, from a different angle. Uh, and, um, so. Yeah. And what, what was the driver here? Because we, we heard just now from, um, from someone who, who's just opened a bar up, you know, throughout lockdown. And, and that's, a, that sounds to me like a really strange time to open a bar, but it sounds like it's worked quite well. What, what, what are the main drivers here? Um, I think if not now, then when? Um, someone said to me earlier today, actually, if you start a business in a winter economy, then it's only going to get better in the summer economy. And it's so true. If you can, if you can make it here, then you can make it anywhere. Um, and and so far, so good, which is which is good. So, and also, I think it's, it helps that you don't have a lot of competition. Um, not a lot of people are starting businesses now, so it's really the perfect time to have all the spotlights on you. And, and I suppose with, with you going into into PR, I suppose it's a time now more than ever where communication needs to be uh, it needs to be good. And obviously, a lot of communication is virtual at the moment. And so, I suppose for for you, there's a there's a there's a market there for that. Absolutely, yeah, and especially now with all the businesses reopening um, and and everything sort of starting back up, people are wanting to shout about themselves and they want to get their name out there. They want to get publicity. So it really is the best time to shout about your business. Um, but there is, yeah, that's it, really. Yeah, well, 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 good for you. I, I very brave, brave and bold of you to 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 do it, and I'm I'm pleased to hear it's going well. Um, what what sort of changed? You you mentioned that obviously, obviously, when we last spoke, you said about um, it's on. You know, you thought that it was unlikely that people were going to set up businesses, and and I must I must say I I agreed with you <laughs> then. Um, uh, what's uh, what what else has changed in your sort of um in the world of business since we last spoke? I think back then people were sort of scared. They were worried about what the future was going to hold for them. Um, but now I think businesses are actually thriving, um, which is the complete opposite of what everyone thought was going to happen. But obviously it's a really good thing. 
um, speaking to someone earlier who is a business mentor and they say that the people who they mentor and their business is, is just doing amazingly at the moment and and I think it's kind of not what everyone expected but it's obviously a really good thing um, I think people have had a lot of time to really sort of put the time and effort and energy into their businesses to make them the best they can be um, and that's probably helped towards towards what's happened and um, really and do you think that businesses are are adapting? Do you think that there's lots of businesses that are changing? I mean, obviously, we, we see the sort of the physical changes um, in sort of retail and in, in shops which you physically go into, etc. But do you think in terms of the way that businesses operate, they're, they're making changes and making sort of maybe new, new efficient structures, things like that? Oh, absolutely. I think so many businesses have had to adapt their business model um, to, to the new sort of the new normal so to speak. I mean, you look at restaurants and bars, they've changed to delivery and collection. Um, you know, you can get takeaway cocktails now and you can go and sit on common with them. Um, and, and a lot of shops have gone online and stuff like that because they've just had no choice but to adapt. So I think everything's kind of changed and I'm not sure if it ever will really go back to, to how it was before, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either. And and do you think that um, do you, do you think that other people uh, are gonna there's gonna be more self-employed people now? Of course, you you yourself and we've spoken to people that have been doing similar things. Do you think that this is a trend that we might well see, especially as things like the furlough scheme come to an end, things like that? I think potentially, yeah. I think from around the end of August, people will start to, um, you know, the, the furlough scheme ends at the end of October, and I think at the end of August, people will start to sort of get the ball rolling and and you know not getting rid of staff but but making changes in their workforce and um and i think people will start to think about growing self-employed and the, the benefits of that because being employed has sort of proved itself to be a bit of an uncertainty um whereas at, at this time i think being self-employed is almost more certain which is completely the opposite of what it was before but that's how it is, I think. It's interesting you say because I, it, yeah, I, I absolutely think I thought that um, that you know being self-employed in a time like this is when you know that they really are on the back foot. But you, but you you mm. think that it's um you think that there's there's more actually more certainty for self-employed than for for those that are on on contracts. Yeah, I mean potentially it depends obviously who you're working for, what type of mm. business it is. But I think um, you've just got to do what's what's got the more stability for you. I think. Yeah, certainly, and and, and um, in from a sort of a local point of view here in Portsmouth, um, have you had much communication sort of with, with well, I suppose with with your customers? You work you work in PR now, so what's the um, what's the feedback been from from sort of local businesses around Portsmouth? What what is the general consensus of our of our economy? Um, so I think they they're still slightly worried about what the future is going to hold, but mm. at the same time, they can see that everything's going to they're going to be growing everything's going to be on the up from now on it's only going to get better um and especially with places like i've got a few clients that own restaurants and and they're reopening and they're excited and um they're kind of getting back to the normal if we have the normal anymore Uh um go on carry on yeah they're just getting back to normal and they're, they're sort of trying to adapt and um you know you have to have contactless sort of transactions now and, and it's just changing the way they do things um but but it's, they're getting used to it which is good uh, and did you get I'm, I'm true did you get much support when you were um you know when you were starting up how long have you been going now so i've been going just over a month now okay um, 
and I've, where I was at the news for a while, I managed to build up a good little network around me, um, and I've managed to carry that over. Now I've started working for myself, and and do you know what people have been like amazingly supportive. I couldn't have like asked for more of a supportive network around me, um, and I think that's so important. And I think people have really uh, realised the the value of having a good support network around you, especially at a time like now. Um, and they've just sort of welcomed welcomed me in with open arms. That's great to hear. And you mentioned having a good support network. And what what else? What other advice would you give to to anyone that's listening at the moment that's thinking, oh, you know what, you know what, I, you know, I have been wanting to go self employed for a little while, and you know, um, maybe now is the time to take that step. What what sort of tips would you give to people that are looking to do that? I think go for it. I think you, you you're never gonna you're never gonna know unless you try, and um, it is a leap and it is a scary one. But if you get your name out there and if you shout about yourself enough and you, you build a good reputation for yourself and you're authentic to who you are, then people will buy into you as a, as a person um, and, and you, can only, you can only get good results from that, really. And where do you, just finally, where, where do you expect to be? Where do you want to be in sort of uh, in, in a few months' time? Are you, I, I assume you're optimistic. You sound it. Yeah, I'm trying to be optimistic. Um, in a few months' time, I'm hoping that I um I get sort of a a good a good reputation around the city um, for what I do, um, and obviously I hope to be with the businesses that I'm supporting as they as they start to reopen and they go back to normal, and I'm hoping to help them grow out of this sort of scary time and and make make sure that they are just doing amazingly at the end of at the end of this year, really. It's interesting, isn't it? That I suppose you, you know, you actually are, you know, coming back to you, you've set up a business to help people essentially, and I suppose it's a time at the moment where, where you know, what you're doing, the PR will will become um, will become really important to people. So it sounds like you're doing doing great. Hope it's great, great to hear, and um, and good luck with it with, with the coming weeks and months. I hope it all goes well, and I'm sure it will. And and thanks for being on again. Let's keep us updated with your progress. I will do. Thanks for having me on again. 93.7 Express FM. We're going to chat local sport. Uh, so, of course, the local sport getting underway um, over the last couple of weeks in different forms. Uh, we've got our local sport expert and, of course, host of Over the White Line on the line as well. Henry Deacon, good evening to you. Good evening, Robbie. Good evening, Robbie. It's been really, really nice to have the sport back over the last few weeks. Premier League football, uh, Pompey in the playoffs and... I know from my experience, I have, and we've got a game coming up shortly, so it feels normal again on the sports side. Yeah, and you didn't mention the main, the main one, which is, of course, cricket taking place about uh, 25 minutes away from here. Of course, England and the West Indies battling out in a test match today, and the, the rain came as we knew it would when the cricket season returns. Yeah. Um, let's, let's start then, shall we, with, with what you mentioned. Um, Pompey uh, had a busy old weekend. It was, it, we suddenly went from all no, none of this football for Pompey to, to two games in four days, and it was... Uh, a, a tough old, tough old few days for them. It was one all on Friday night in the home leg, and then uh, they went away to Oxford in the second leg uh, on Monday evening. They ended up going to penalties, which they lost five uh, four. What f- first of all, what would it have done for the city to have uh, have that back, have Sport back, have Pompey playing back? And secondly, what how how big a miss is that for Portsmouth uh, over the last few days? It's absolutely massive. I don't think anyone in the city can underestimate the power and, and the pull that Portsmouth Football Club has. Alan Knight famously said, "When Pompey when Pompey win, the city smiles," and that's very very true. Um, and and there is a collective disappointment of, of not getting through the playoffs. But ultimately, the bigger picture is that football is back, 
and it's here to stay again, uh, all being well. And okay, it might be another another season in League One. At least we can moan and groan about what's happening on the terraces again. And 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 talk us through uh, this big game that haven't have coming up as well, because it's going to be a busy couple of weeks for for you guys down there at Haven and Waterlooville also. Yeah, yeah, we've got playoffs coming up in a few weeks' time. So we play on July the 25th. We get a bye through to the semi-finals. We're waiting to see who we play yet. Um, we're moving on to the next stage now of training. Uh, obviously, we've got to go through the protocols and, and everything else that the FA and the National League have outlined for us. There'll be another round of testing for us tomorrow. So I'm really, really looking forward to that one, you can tell. Um, so we've got to go through that. And, and what I will say is the protocols in place are stringent but they're there for a reason. I've been there for a couple of weeks now, uh, watching the progression of these protocols and the players slowly come back to training over the last week or so. And what I can say is that it's, it's, it's the safest working environment I think you could possibly be in at the moment. The temperature's checked every day. You've got filling questionnaires, got filling health forms and all of that. could be tested once a week. So um, fingers crossed there'll be no positive tests from tomorrow's testing and, we look forward to a behind-closed-doors semi-final against either Slough Town or Dartford at Wesley Park. It's funny you mention that about how safe the environment is because I, I, I watched the watched the cricket today. I was watching the test match, obviously I was, uh, and the, I, it came into my mind, and I was quite surprised at myself that this came into my mind, but I suddenly thought to myself, I thought, wow. Like that, that, I kind of, I almost thought to myself, it's a bit over the top, isn't it? When I, you know, when I sort of saw, you know, all these things going on. But then I, I quickly remembered. I thought, no, hang on, what are you, what are you talking about? This is essential that this happens. If we want sport to happen, yeah. there's going to have to be this efficiency of of protocols. And and in a weird way, though, it kind of it kind of fits. And and to me, do we think? Do you think that sport was actually better prepared than a lot of people say it was because of the efficiency and the protocols that go on with sport anyway you think of all the all the drug uh, you know the, the sort of the, yeah. the drug testing that goes on you think of all of the uh, sort of anti-corruption that goes on all, all of that do you think the sport was at, is actually more prepared for this than, than we probably gave um, it credit for i i think um in some instances no but in a lot of instances is yes i've been i suppose i've been lucky enough to be privy of what's happened at haven with the protocols and what's going with the playoffs and from what I hear, what what we're doing at Haven isn't too dissimilar to what's happening at, at what happened at Pompey for the League One playoffs. We go have uh, SAC meetings, that's safety advisory group meetings. Um, we go have health and safety people in all the time to check the ground. We've had to put markers in place at the ground. Accreditation for the press is is few and far between. We've got to be given separate um, lanyards if we're in the green zone, amber zone, red zone. Um, we've got to think about places where fans could congregate and make sure they're sealed off, um, blocking off entrances, exits, car parks. So there's a lot of things that's gone into it. And on Haven's part, people like Trevor Brock, people like Tim Mellor, Paul Doswell, the manager, has done a brilliant job on that. And I know from, from being a part of it, it's a tiring job, which has taken hours and hours. But if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be playing football. And what's the financial impact been on on having at Waterlooville? And also, I mean, if you, if if you have any knowledge on the rest of the local sporting scene, financially, are we going to be okay? Are our local teams? We'll be okay. It's going to take an absolute battering. That 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 without any any shadow of a doubt, which is part of the reason why I haven't gone 3G from next year. I know we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, there's next season. There will not be money about in in the game where it perhaps was previously. 
I think clubs will survive. I don't think we'll be talking about any locally. I don't think going bust, but there'll be a lot of book balancing next season. And some would say about time, um, but the money that we were looking at in the leagues, um, these sorts of leagues, you know, last year, 18 months ago, wipe it out the window. It's not well, going to happen. We've, we've got about a minute left. Let's quickly touch on that then. The, a big investment made by having in Waterlooville uh, with this 3G pitch. Yes, um, I think it was, it, it was something that kind of speeded up because of COVID. It means we can bring people in. Um, we've got, we got clubs already interested. Clubs already confirmed they're going to be using the facility. Um, we're hoping to, you know, to have potentially a team coming on opposite Saturdays when we're away from home and ground sharers, someone like a Wessex Hampshire League team potentially uh, ground sharing with us. So, yeah, it, it, it's really exciting for us. It means we can hire out the facilities. It's great for the kids. And that's the important thing for us is bringing the next generation of, of fans down, of kids down, wanting to play at a stadium, a stadium the size of Wesley Park. Quick, for us, that's massive. Quick 20-second challenge to sum up what's happening with recreational cricket. You said it wasn't coming back, but it is. Thankfully, it is. It's not a vector of diseases. So fingers crossed we'll get the cricket back sooner rather than later. Oh, you did it. You did it in, in brilliant time. You did it in 10 seconds, in fact, Henry. Thank you. Thank I'll you. That's good. Well, I'm pleased that we started and we ended on uh, on cricket as well. Henry Deacon, thank you, as always, for being on the show this evening. I appreciate it, mate. Pleasure as ever, Robbie. A big thank you once again to all of my guests on the Coronavirus Special this week. Don't forget, if you have a question or a concern or uh, a, a story that you would like us to feature on the Coronavirus Special in future episodes, you can email me anytime. Robbie at expressfm.com is the place to send your emails to. And the Coronavirus Special is back next Wednesday from 6 o'clock.